this is going to be something that uh, this book will study through the season of Epiphany, which is a season really focusing on the unveiling of Christ's glory. And it's going to take us also into Lent, where it's um, going to uh, be focused on repentance and renewal. And what you'll notice in the book of Hebrews is actually that there's a lot of Epiphany themes and there's a lot of Lent themes. The book goes from focusing on Jesus Christ, his unique glory and status as the Son of God, his unique place as the greater high priest, uh, and really focusing on the glory of Christ. But then it'll shift throughout the book into themes of repentance because it could all be just a very interesting theology lesson, right? But it shouldn't stay just a theology lesson about Jesus Christ. Um, What we'll find is that the author of Hebrews actually almost stands to the side, as it were, and lets the Jesus that he's been extolling and talking about take front and center stage and speak directly to the readers, speak directly to those listening to this, to this letter. And so that's one of the themes today. It's, it's, um, it's going to be all about uh, our hearts and our response to the, uh, the Christ that the author of Hebrews has been talking about. Um, sometimes the biggest dangers are the ones that hide in plain sight. Do you know the number one cause, uh, the number one cause of death in the United States and around the world? It's not shark attacks, as harrowing as those are. It's not car accidents, as numerous as those are. It's not viruses like COVID-19. It's not even cancer. If trends continue this year in 2024, about 700,000 people in the United States alone will die this year from something that many people never think about, and that is heart conditions. Heart attacks, heart failure, hearts that have become weak or stiff or calcified. And here's the kicker. According to the Cleveland Clinic, 90% of heart disease cases are preventable. 90% of cases of heart disease are preventable. Starting today, if only we would pay attention to our physical hearts, if only we could, starting today, contend for the health of our hearts, we could make them strong and supple and ready for use, and we would prevent so much death. Now, the same is true for our souls, our spiritual hearts. The number one danger to our spiritual life is a hardened heart. And this is also preventable. Starting today, if only we would pay attention to our hearts, contend for the health of our hearts, to keep them strong, to keep them supple, we could prevent so much spiritual death, which has even higher stakes than our physical death. Now, our hearts our spiritual hearts, as it were, is the core of who we are. It's our ability to trust, to say yes and to open the gate of our heart or to say no and close the gate of our heart. And that's a very sacred part of who we are. And here's the problem. We've said yes before and gotten burned, gotten hurt. And so that's when the hardening begins. That's when we say, okay, no more trusting. I'm not going to say yes anymore to that type of request. Hearts can harden. 
And the problem is that we harden to the wrong things. And that's why we have the warning in verse 12, watch out. Hebrews 3 verse 12, watch out brothers and sisters so there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, why is this such a temptation? Because the number one reason that we harden our hearts is because of pain. When we feel pain, we harden our heart and we do it to God. And we go, this is your fault. You could have prevented this. You, you know my life. You see my life. And you didn't stop this. Or you aren't stopping this. How could there be anything good in the pain that I'm feeling? I said yes, and I'm paying a price for it. And the author of Hebrews knows, list, 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 the biggest danger to the people of God is that the people of God on their way to the promised land, when they're seeing mercy after mercy after mercy from the living God, the people of God will go, but this was painful and that's your fault. And therefore, I'm going to harden my heart to God. I'm going to close the gate of my heart to God. I'm going to stop trusting you. I'm going to stop following you because this doesn't make any sense. So the author of Hebrews says, watch out, watch out, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. It can happen to any of us. It's a hidden condition, isn't it? We don't even know what's happening half the time. That's why we need passages like this. And I just want to say, too, related to this passage, there's going to be more passages like this through the book of Hebrews. And I just want to contend for you to keep your heart open to words of Scripture that seem too harsh. Because we hear words like this and we go, you know what, maybe, I, maybe, this, maybe this isn't actually the voice of God. Let me tell you, don't close your heart to the passion of God to contend for your heart while it is still called today. He's passionately contending for you. Don't close your heart to him. And when things feel really intense as we read the book of Hebrews, especially Hebrews 3 and other warning passages, Feel and hear the intensity as God contending for your heart because he loves you and because there's still hope. Um, one of the greatest things that we can do to keep our hearts soft is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit while we are in pain. To listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit while we are in pain. It's one of the most difficult things to do. Have you ever tried doing it? When you are in intense pain to stop listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and yet um, we see here in um, uh, verses 7 through 10. Um, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Can today, the day that you are in pain, today, the day of your testing, Today, the day where you feel your heart starting to constrict, today can you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the most important time to listen to him. The people of Israel could have listened. We read about this in the book of Exodus. There's other moments along the way where in the very day that God was bringing his people through a trial, on that very day when they could have listened to him, on the very day, when they could have grown spiritually, had a breakthrough, they stopped listening to him and they said, you know what? You're testing me. Guess what? I'm going to test you. I'm going to put you on the witness stand. I'm going to put you in the line of questioning. God, where were you? Why did this happen? 
And um, when God is actually bringing something up in us, when he's challenging us, when, we have, when he has a breakthrough for us, we have a breakdown with him. And the people of Israel did this when they were thirsty. They did it when they were hungry, even though they had seen day after day for 40 years a daily miracle of provision of manna. And they saw water coming from a rock. And for goodness sakes, they had been through the Red Sea. They had seen everything. They had, they had been through all of that, miracle after miracle. And yet, they closed their hearts to the living God. They stopped listening to the voice of the Spirit of God when they were in pain. And it's so tempting, isn't it? Here's a woman who has uh, chronic pain. It's physical pain. It's everywhere in her body. There's doctors that are trying to help solve the problem, but it's just getting worse. For her, everything used to be easier. Daily life, staying active, praying the scriptures, but she's losing heart to even keep trying. Here's a man fresh off a breakup. He's humiliated. He's hurting. And this bleeds into his friendship with God. Here's a married couple whose faith is um, in shambles because their extended family, their so-called Christian extended family, is acting so hypocritical and so against the values of the Christian faith that they are feeling so betrayed and they don't know if they can at all trust any other Christians. So they're about to walk away. Pain can harden the heart. But the voice of God's loving Holy Spirit still speaks on the day of testing. And if we listen, we will find that actually pain can also soften the heart. It can harden the heart, but it can soften the heart when the Holy Spirit speaks and when we listen. Now, one man who discovered this is someone you may know about. His name C.S. Lewis. Did you know that C.S. Lewis, the great British theologian and author, was single until his mid-50s? And he met and married the love of his life, Joy Davidman. And he loved her so much. And after four short and sweet years of marriage, Joy lost a painful battle with bone cancer. And Lewis really wrestled with this. That was his day of testing. And his pain was almost unbearable. And his heart really wanted to close up to the God that he had spoken to the whole nation of England about, you know, during World War II. What was he going to do with that pain? And so he wrote, he carried out a series of journals. And one of the things he wrote was this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You can read about, you can read the rest of his journals in his book, The Problem. On the day of testing, the voice of the Holy Spirit is shouting. He speaks to our hearts. He speaks through the scriptures. And it is so vital that on the day of testing, when we're in pain, that we don't shut down to the Holy Spirit's voice. There's a vital way that the Holy Spirit, though, speaks to us in our pain that, that moves into our relationships, and this is really important, and that's the encouragement of God's people. And verse 13, the author uh, of Hebrews talks about this, but encourage each other daily 
while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. On the day of testing, we need encouragement from each other to counteract the hardening impact and deception of sin. Now, if any of you have worked with leather, you know that if you leave leather out exposed to the elements, to the cold, to the heat, to the sun, to the rain, what's going to happen to the leather over time? Right? It's going to harden. You're going to, it's going to become unusable. However, if you condition the leather regularly with oil and work it into the fiber of the leather, you actually can keep that leather soft, supple, usable, ready for use. Um, now listen, life is harsher than the conditions outside. Um, our hearts endure a lot of pain and suffering, right? And over time, what happens? Okay, it toughens up. It hardens up. And then sin becomes even more appealing. And it makes even more sense after our hearts have toughened up. But then if we choose sin, it's going to only accelerate the hardening process. Um, but you know what can happen is just a drop of encouragement through someone else in our life speaking God's truth and soften us, keep our hearts soft. And I'll tell you a quick story about that. This past week, I was talking with a wise and godly advisor, and I was sharing with them that like, when I feel stressed, I feel like I have to do everything perfect. Like I gotta be perfect when I feel stressed, because if I'm not perfect, and I don't do it perfectly, like it's gonna get worse. And she said, you know what? Years ago, when I was feeling the same temptation, one of my, one of my counselors uh, in my life said this, you know, in Psalm 37, God calls us to dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. But he didn't call us to dwell in the land and cultivate perfection. And as she spoke those words, I just felt my whole being soften a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because if I'm faithful, if I just do things faithfully, that means that I don't have to get it perfect. That means that there's some trial and error involved. That means there might even be forgiveness that's needed. Faithfulness is much humbler than perfection. But if I have to cultivate perfection, that's a lot of pressure. Encouragement is truth that is the antidote to sin's uh, deception. Sin is going to deceive us. You know what? You know what's behind perfectionism? There's some pride behind perfectionism. There's some pride behind perfectionism. And I was starting to tempt. And I needed some encouragement. I needed some relief. I needed some of the, God's chosen rest. God's chosen rest for people who will dwell in faith. We all need drops of the oil of encouragement for our hearts that tend to harden up when sin's deception feels so true and so good and such the right next step, we need it from each other. I need it from you. You need it from, from everyone around you. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, and I'll paraphrase slightly to include both genders. God has put this word, his word, into the mouth of men and women in order that it may be communicated to other men and women. 
We need this again and again when we become uncertain and discouraged. The Christ in our heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of our brother or sister. Our heart is uncertain, but our brothers and sisters is sure. Have you ever experienced that? We're like, you're doubting, right? Sin's deception feels so real, but someone else comes along and they're not perfect, but they have a word of encouragement for you. And it just feels like so much stronger than the word of the gospel in your own soul. You, my friends, if you are in Jesus, you have the oil of encouragement to counteract the hardening impact of sin. You have it to give, and you, you also need to receive it from others as well. I just imagine this playing out in community. Let's go back to the woman with chronic pain. She takes a risk to share her struggle and, and pray with, invite prayer from others in her city group. And her brothers and sisters from her city group surround her, uh, anoint her with oil in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They pray for her. They even listen to the Lord. Are there any scriptures I can pray over uh, my sister? So they pray some scriptures over her. And one of those scriptures in particular goes down into the depths of her being and gives her great strength for the next week of faithful living, faithful act actually helps her pray. What about the man recovering from a painful breakup? He notices that the hurt is hardening him and that he's in this vicious cycle of loneliness and sin that just kind of builds on itself. So he decides to break the cycle and pursue friendships with other men at church. And he, he, he seeks out those who seem to be wanting to grow, who, who have some qualities that he wants in his own life. They begin meeting weekly to trade scriptures that they're seeking to live out and memorize. And these friendships with other men softens his heart to a friendship with Jesus, which is now growing again. The married couple in the throes of, of deconstruction and doubt and betrayal go to dinner with an older couple who have their own uh, stories and history of family pain. And as they share their stories, the younger couple sees a living example of people whose pain has made them softer, not harder, who's actually made their faith stronger, not weaker. And they get some hope for what forgiveness might look like. And actually, forgiveness becomes more of a beautiful vision than something that they were hardening their hearts to. How many of our hearts could stay supple and soft and strong if we were to encourage one another like day by day? Let's not one Let's not let one day go by for the rest of 2024 without encouraging one another, without taking out that oil jar and squeezing it out of the hearts of our brothers and sisters. All right. We need encouragement from the Holy Spirit. We need encouragement from one another. We need to keep listening. There's a final, like, galvanizing point here, though, that I want to bring home, and that is that to keep our hearts soft, we need to participate in Christ by persevering with him. Participate in Christ by persevering with him. Verse 14, the author of Hebrews says this, for we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. We have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. Now, my friends, one of the central features of the Christian faith is union with Christ. 
when we turn to him in faith and surrender our lives to him, what happens is the Holy Spirit unites us with Jesus Christ in a relationship that is more intimate and lasting than anything else that we will experience in this life. The union is closer than any friendship, any marriage, any relationship. He fills us with the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. It's ours. It's our inheritance. We carry it literally inside of us. And also, he carries us inside of him. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And actually, if you think about this, this is a great mystery that Christ himself, even now, you've been united with him. He carries you in him. You are part of him. Now, this could all become just theory, right? This could all just become something that we know in our heads. And it can become very, you know, very heady, very other, very categorized, right? What brings it home? Let me tell you, suffering brings it home. Trials bring the union of Christ home. Trials to endure. You want to know what it's like to be in Christ and for Christ to be in you? Endure a trial with him. Finish a job that he's asked you to do. Then you'll know what it's like to be united with Christ in a way you haven't before. Jesus Christ held fast to the end. Did you know that? He was a persevering savior. He endured. He completed the race. Jesus Christ was not hard of heart, but he was tough of soul. He held fast when it mattered. He endured for the love of God. He, and you'll see this throughout Hebrews. He says to God everything he had, and he gave everything he had. So listen, you and I were put on this earth for a job to do. And I don't know exactly all the specifics of your job and your assignment, but it is an assignment. And the Lord wants you to hold fast to that assignment. And um, he wants you to finish the race. And the, the biggest assignment we have is to love God with all of our hearts and to love our neighbor as ourselves and to do so in Jesus' name and with his power. That's our job. And one of the most important ways to participate in Christ is to endure trials by his power and experience his indwelling, strengthening friendship every step of the way. I recently saw a documentary called Swimming Through, about 15 minutes. That's about three friends, Jennifer, Helen, and Deirdre, who live right here in Chicago. And during the COVID lockdowns, they started meeting up every morning at Promontory Point, taking a dip in Lake Michigan. This happened in the fall of 2020. They started just like, let's just every morning, let's get up real early and let's take a dip in Lake Michigan. And as the weather got colder, they were like, let's, let's keep going one more day. Let's see if we can do it one more day. And the weather gets colder and finally gets to negative 20. And guess what? They're out there in their, you know, parkas or whatever, and they're breaking up the ice and they get in, they get in Lake Michigan, like a little huddle and just giggle at each other. And you know what I mean? Feel the euphoria. And, um, you know, do you know, they did this for a year. They, they went through for a year and, and there's a whole documentary about how this forged their friendship through, you know, depression and cancer treatments and 
And it became this joyful thing that they had at the very center of the, of the, of the COVID lockdowns. Enduring together actually didn't drive them away. It made them close. It gave them joy. They had something to share. They shared in the suffering together. That was, in some ways, the core of their friendship. Now, so, okay, when does union with Christ become real to us? You know, when does the closeness and nearness of Jesus, the fact that he's in us and we're in him, become something that's tangible, that we take joy in? It's when we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. It's getting in the water with him, right? It's fulfilling our call with him. It's enduring hard things with him. It's partaking in him by persevering with him. And that's going to soften our hearts on the day of trial. It's going to help our, you know, it's going to, to like toughen our souls even as it softens our hearts. Now, here's one practice that will help soften our hearts in a trial in, in this regard. Instead of praying, Lord, please give me less of this trial, we actually change that to, Lord, please give me more of you in this trial. Instead of praying for less, less, less pain, less sorrow, less pressure, we say more, more of Jesus, more endurance. More Holy Spirit, more, more celebrating the truths of the gospel, more friendship with you, Jesus, more fidelity to God, more, more of God's word, stronger commitment to God's call, not less, 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 more, more, more. My friends, this is a challenge, isn't it? There, there's nothing... Um, cakewalky about this there's no there's no lazy river away through what hebrews 3 is calling us to but that's not what you want not what i want at the end of the day we don't want easy lives we want glory we want true rest we want friendship we want intimacy we want the goodness love and power of the father son and holy spirit and ultimately we want to live if we want to live we want to spiritually die in the wilderness. We don't want to close up and become smaller people who have already died inside before we die on the outside. We've got to keep our hearts soft and supple in the presence of the living God. Because when we do, um, he, he calls us actually into his rest. He calls us into his joy. He calls us into something so much more solid and beautiful and resting than we could ever get into this life. We could ever get from anything, anything that we can see in this life. We get the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, his nearness, his goodness, his love. We get Jesus. So don't harden your hearts on the day of testing. Keep them soft. Listen to the Holy Spirit when you're in pain. Listen to and offer the encouragement of the saints. And when you're persevering in a trial, Look to Jesus, partake in his friendship and his power and his goodness. Don't pray for less and less of the trial because he might answer your prayer and then you wouldn't get the benefits of it. Pray for more of Jesus. Pray for everything he's got for you while it is still all the day. Lord, this is such a challenging call. And, and I pray, Lord, that, that we would watch out, that we would listen so that there wouldn't be in us any unbelieving, unfaithful heart. 
Lord, we just confess to you any ways that our hearts become hard, any ways that that gate has closed to you. We pray for the grace, Lord, to not close the gate of our heart so that we can say yes to you. We might need to close it to, to false gods. We should close it to false promises, to the deceiving powers of sin. Help us close and harden up to sin and die to sin, in fact, and, and stay soft and supple to you. And I pray, Lord, that we would, while it's still cultivate, put one more foot in front of the other with that beating heart inside of us and enter into the true rest, which is our inheritance. We pray this in the name of Jesus.